Welcome to our podcast series, What Matters. Every week we'll be discussing a key issue and why it matters right now. Today I'm joined by Isaac Getz, who's a professor at the top-ranked ESCP European Business School. He was also visiting professor at Cornell and Stanford Universities and at the University of Massachusetts. Dr. Getz has studied over 300 companies in 30 countries and published research on a diverse range of management issues from innovation to leadership to corporate transformation, freedom, responsibility and culture. But it was really in relation to his book, Freedom Inc., that Isaac first got onto my radar. Now, uh, Isaac, hello, and thank you for joining us here today. Uh, hello, Nicola. Thank you. What I loved about the, um, the, the book is, is the title, Freedom, and this concept of corporate liberation, not necessarily the sorts of language that one would associate with the world of work. And I wonder if we could start off uh, by uh, hearing a bit about your definition of what exactly is a liberated company. Uh, a liberated company is one in which the majority of employees have complete freedom and responsibility to take actions that they, not their superiors or procedures, decide are best for the company's vision. So it's defined around its function to ensure freedom and responsibility of action. And it's a little bit unsettling for many managers who look for a model. I sometimes remind that architects often define built objects, for example, a bridge, right? Through its function, it allows a passage over an obstacle and, but there is no specific set of features that define a bridge. There is no model of a bridge. So this is a, this is a definition. In fact, it's a philosophy because it's around two philosophical concepts, which are freedom and responsibility. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So how does a traditional hierarchy-based company move from that way of operating and being into a more liberated company organizational form? Uh, I have a short and a long uh, answer. The short answer is abandon your ego. Mm -hmm. Now, once I tell it to the executive audiences, there is a, a short period of silence because this is the thing that is extremely natural to people who are the top of our organizations to think that they are the most intelligent. However, as you understand, liberated companies, the one where you give people freedom and responsibility to act on themselves. So they are the most intelligent. And uh, as you understand, it's basically not an organizational challenge. It's a leadership challenge. It's a question of how, if you are uh, ahead of an organization and you resolved your ego issues, your control issues at the personal level. So that's the work that you have to do with an executive coach. How after that, if you are convinced that today people, freedom and responsibility are stifled in your organization and you want to unleash them, how do you articulate this philosophy 
in a particular context which is cultural and human of your organization so basically you moving from a traditional hierarchy to a liberated company requires a radical transformation uh, that is uh, uh, done by uh, or guided by the head of the organization together with employees and as a result they build this unique mode there's no model unique functioning mode of the organization that is built on on freedom and responsibility is that the same as holacracy or is that something a bit different uh, well in france uh, you are right nicola in france um, corporate liberation is uh, and i'm based in france right uh, is a big movement uh, since 2012. Uh, Holacracy started to be known uh, here and around the world with the Zappos experiment around 2014. And here in France, uh, because both uh, liberated companies and Holacracy uh, come from the same diagnosis, the traditional command and control model uh, is not anymore adequate, right? We, we heard from 2014 uh, by from the holacracy people let's say that uh, they are a technology and operating system inside of liberated companies now that is not uh, that that's the kind of the surface difference but that the holacracy people give uh, and it's true that's the first difference because the holacracy is a technology it's a model it's still experimental one but it's a model while corporate liberation we just discussed it it's an organizational philosophy and in addition it's proven for decades in dozens of companies on three continents and now in hundreds of companies but there's also the second difference right that's unlike holacracy which also offers a method how to implement their technology and in france sometimes they say that they can build a liberated company in four months right well i haven't observed one that that took less than three years um corporate liberation is about 80 percent about leadership it's about how the companies had we just discussed it right coinvents with with its employees a path to build their unique organizational mode so the differences are uh, i would say stark i was online looking at le figaro uh, at the, the weekend, the French newspaper, which I know is a considered traditional outlet. And I was pretty surprised that right on the homepage was a story about the workplace and that we may be starting to see companies in France that are giving their employees the opportunity to decide when they want to have their holidays, how much holiday they want to have, and that sort of thing, giving them mm -hmm. that that freedom. I, I was really surprised to see a story like that in a mainstream newspaper. And I was wondering, does that surprise you? Or is France really making great leaps in terms of this whole uh, concept around liberation and and, di and looking at a different way of, of managing mm. and, and leading and being. Uh, what newspaper do you mean, uh, Nicola? Is it Financial Times story about Michelin that you are talking about? It was in the French newspaper Le Figaro. 
Ah, Le Figaro. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm sorry because because like last week or ten days ago, Financial Times ran a full page story about uh, about Michelin, right, and about how they do corporate liberation in Michelin. But in France, in fact, as I told you, this uh, corporate liberation movement is uh, it's it's extremely strong, and there is no one uh, major outlet. I'm either printed or media we're talking now about evening news we're talking about special programs which the equivalent in us would be abc uh, nightline cbs 60 minutes uh, they're they're all of them did that all of them it's it was all over and still all over the place and in fact it became a very dominant perhaps the most dominant corporate movement right now i have figures about that it's not just my opinion in the corporate world now, uh, people are puzzled, obviously, why France, right? France is known for a very uh, kind of top-down, maybe bureaucratic, hierarchical. In France, we sometimes say that France is a Republican monarchy, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is part of the explanation, in fact. Uh, I usually use this metaphor uh, saying that uh, when you are... Um, not uh, really hungry and quite satisfied, let's say, with your canteen in your office building, and there is a nice restaurant in the neighborhood, and you pass by going to work, you are not dreaming during the lunch to go there because, you know, the food is good and, and this place is convenient in your own building. Now, imagine that all uh, you have as French uh, uh, your uh, office canteen is uh, proposing is fish and chips. I mean, there are very good fish and chips, uh, no doubt about that. But, but French may not necessarily uh, run for that. And and let's say that you're not you're not laughing, right? I'm trying to make a joke. Uh, I, 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 I was sort of, I was thinking of different variations of okay. fish and chips. Actually. Yeah, there are a lot, of course. <laughs> but I mean, the image that French have, right? Uh, so anyway, and if, if you're not satisfied with the food that is in your building and then there is a wonderful little restaurant with a very, very good food and affordable price, you'll run there. So and it's not just a metaphor. In fact, uh, many, um, uh, many rankings show that France is one of the worst countries in Europe in terms of, for example, I'm talking about a world forum. Uh, report on competitiveness. If you look there, uh, France is, I think, number 51 in the willingness of management to get, delegate their authority. 51 in the world, right? That's that's Central Asia, right? Mm -hmm. And and we are, I think, 116 in the quality of the relationship between employers and employees. And this is one uh, out of 141 countries. So we're like in the Lesotho, you know, that that area. So we have very very strong heritage which is uh, very uh, but making uh, the um, subordination uh, compliance all kind of command and control worst cases very prevalent in french organizations and so i've heard from many people who who read our book who watched uh, all these kind of programs right tv programs all kind of magazines that wrote about it that once they learned about that was the shock of their lives. They never believed ever that something like that can exist in the workplace. So I think that's why uh, France and French speaking Belgium, they were taken by this corporate liberation like by a storm. 
And who's driving this storm? Is it the individuals, be they managers or other workers? Is it senior management or HR driving this? Mm. What are the factors that, that make it happen within a company? Uh, we, we go back to what I, I said. 80% of corporate liberation is about uh, the leader. We call them liberating leaders. Why? Because they are the only ones who have the decision to transform the organization. It's not the HR director, not the managers, not the trade unions, and not the uh, uh, rank and file people, although many of them bring this idea sometimes to their company and make their top management become interested in it. But the only the head of organization, and in case of the large organization, the head of a business unit can make this decision only he or she because we met women too of course uh, can start the radical transformation that takes years from a traditional workplace command and control workplace to a liberated workplace i see and that takes a, a lot of commitment it just struck me that if it's the leadership of the business that is so key what happens if a ceo leaves and and moves on and there's a different management in the company might that company then be unliberated and and go back to to the way it was or do you think that once that change is in there that that's it and it will stick uh, we have today uh, me personally I know about uh, probably 100 liberated companies that some of them are 50 years old and others we are now already in the fourth generation, right, of, of corporate liberation in France. So some have just one year, right? But uh, uh, we have enough of the uh, insight to uh, to see uh, that this is part of the uh, job of a liberating leader to build uh, a very good relationship to uh, the company's owners. Uh, stockholders or let's say uh, the corporate uh, CEO if he is uh, uh, a business unit CEO and that may uh, in a way uh, not guarantee 100% but help the transition if it's not happening uh, there is a risk uh, that the new CEO even if this new CEO is groomed by the old one uh, will be pressured by the uh, stockholders uh, or financial markets uh, to do something that will destroy uh, the the liberated uh, company organizational forum. And they have uh, some examples of that. So it's not easy. Like in UCO, in most of the companies, by the way, does what he wants. So there is no change uh, with regard to liberated companies. So you need to do something. Uh, now in Gore, W.L. Gore, which is the oldest liberated company, we have now a fourth CEO and it functions. And I know many cases where there are three, four uh, different CEOs or change of ownership and it still functions. So, but you need to work on that. It doesn't happen by chance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just to complete, you talk about corporate liberation. Mm -hmm. Is this just for business or can this liberated concept be applied to the public sector, to, to government, for example? 
Yeah, in fact, I had two surprises after we finished our research and our work was with Brian uh, Carney in 2009. And by the way, I, I point out that there is a, a revised edition in 2016, so the book is kind of like fresh. Uh, the first surprise is that uh, that large corporations entered corporate liberation. I didn't. I never believed that companies that are close to 100,000 employees will ever do that, because I did study and saw some large companies, but they were, let's say, medium-sized companies when they began transformation. Now today we have Michelin, we have Airbus, we have Decathlon. Uh, all of them close to 100,000 people, and they entered corporate liberation. Michelin in, in, on all the continents and in the dozen of countries. Uh, so it's, it's not only French phenomenon, right? It works everywhere. Uh, the, second, um, the second surprise that they had, that they, I didn't believe that public sector and government will enter it. Now, I, I was surprised there too, because we have two Belgian ministries doing that. We have several French social security branches. We have municipalities. We have subsidized housing authority doing that. And there are more. I mean, I can't tell you all of them that are right now are in the starting block, but I know that a lot of them are in the preparatory mode to start corporate liberation because you need to prepare that, right? It's not just coming one day and saying you are now free and responsible individuals, right? This is the way to botch the whole thing. Wow, what, what an encouraging conversation this has been. Uh, Isaac, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank Isaac's you, thank you, Nicola. And I, I hope that we can influence it across the channel. By the way, you do have some cases, but the whole challenge is to move beyond the several cases that everyone talks about, right? And to make it a, a movement like it's happening right now, the first time, in fact, in the history, because the idea is not new, right? And you've heard about many companies like that and many theories, but the only, the first time in the history of the world where you have the hundreds and hundreds of organizations, both businesses and government and, and public service that are entering this new mode of functioning, it's happening in front of our eyes during the last years here in France, in Belgium, but also other countries. Isaac Getz is the author of Freedom Inc., an award-winning international bestseller. Thank you very much for joining us here today. Thanks, Nicola.